The rumors are rumoring. The buzz is buzzing around. Mr. Brad Living and his future possibly with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Reports are reporting that he could potentially be sitting in the GM chair. Somebody that knows things. He's connected to things. insiders. He's our own insider. Brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Kipper, how are you doing this morning? Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Do you have any information for us? What do you want to know, Ailey? Brad what do you Trey want living. to know? I'm here for you guys. <laughs> what do you want to know? Is Brad Trey Living the new GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yes. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yes. You yes. heard it here first, confirmed by the Caprios. Yes. Okay, give us the scoop. Give us the scoop. Uh, my beliefs is maybe we'll hear something as early as today from the Leafs. Uh, believe that Brad Tree Living is flying in today. And if we don't hear anything today, there'll be a press conference as early as tomorrow. How's that? <laughs> I love uh, it. That's great. That's, that's great. great. Thanks so much. We'll hang up and we'll chat with <laughs> <Yeah>. you next <laughs> week. <laughs> we'll take it from here. Uh, no, how did, uh, okay, so how did they arrive at this decision? Was this like a full, you know, we're doing first interviews, second interviews with 10 candidates, we're scanning yeah, this... the hockey world, or were they like, hey, we kind of like that tree fella? Well, I think uh, he, he, right from the get-go, I might have been the first call that they made uh, in terms of uh, who's available and who's, uh, who can we start the process with. This went uh, this started last week. It went through the weekend. Uh, and uh, no question that there's a lot of work moving forward uh, with some key decisions, uh, key contracts, notably Austin's and Willie Nylander's. And they, they need someone with uh, some savvy, some experience, uh, the ability to come in and, and deal with it right away. And, and there's no question that uh, the focus... Uh, was on Brad Tree Living, and that's the guy they closed out. Um, in terms of pros and cons, what do you think the biggest strengths and biggest weaknesses are for Tree Living? Well, I think he's a, a good communicator. Uh, in terms of knowing who you're dealing with and, and what you're dealing with, I think he's a, a, a straight shooter, and that's his reputation. Uh, of course, the success in Calgary wasn't quite there to, to say that uh, – that uh, this is the guy that you have to get. Uh, obviously, he's he's working towards uh, uh, championships and respectability when it matters most in the playoffs, uh, as are the Leafs <laughs> we've known since 1967. But uh, this guy's a communicator. Uh, I think he can uh, come in and and answer questions quickly in terms of where he assesses things. Uh, is is the does the roster need work past Austin Matthews and, and Willie Nylander getting extensions? Yes, and uh, now it's in the hands of, of Brad Tree Living. But we do believe that, uh, much like we saw, at least for the the most part, out of out of Kyle and Brendan, there will be a, a close relationship. There will be collaboration. Uh, not buying completely that Brendan is that hands on guy that. That stops deals if if he needs to, but he's also the president of the hockey club, and uh, you know the buck does stop with him. So I, I believe they'll they'll work closely together. 
I wonder if you think that their relationship will be any different because Bride Trey Living has more of a history in this role, a bit more experience. Um, Less as, of a father-son yeah. thing that might have been there before? Will, there, will, will their relationship be a little bit different because of Dubis and his, his bringing up the rankings um, in his previous role with Janney? Well, if if we recall this season, there was often questions about why haven't we seen Brendan and and Kyle together more? And in the past, uh, even through the pandemic, we saw them in the same suite. We saw them together. Uh, there was a sense of of them being a lot more together. And for whatever reason, we didn't see that. There was often, I think, times when you know Brendan's watching a game in in the Zamboni entrance and nowhere near mm-hmm. Kyle and. I think that might have been by design after uh, nine years in the organization and, and five as a general manager. I think there's also that sense that he he needed not to look like he's holding Kyle's hand anymore. And, you know, it wasn't to, it wasn't because he, he, he thought he might have cut his knees off at the end of the season. It was, as we know, he offered him a, a multi-year contract. He wanted him back. So I, I think it was by design that he was, he was, leaving the, the the room around Kyle to to grow on his own and and be there on his own merit and when you got Brad Tree living coming in that that's already built in that's already there uh, there's there's no sense of that so i really believe that uh, you know Brad Tree living will get a chance to 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 assess whatever he needs to assess and then report back to Brendan Brendan can go back to the board and and that's that's the way it works at MLSC and uh Brad's going to come in with his experience and look no closer than the experience he had 12 months ago with dealing with a, a Matthew Kachuk who who said, I will not sign next year here. So uh, do what you can, get what you can, and, uh, and, and best of luck with it. And now he's in this similar scenario where he has to ask a tough question to Austin Matthews and you hope that Austin can come with an honest answer. And uh, we know where Leaf fans stand. They, they hope the honest answer is, I want to be a Leaf for the rest of my life, and uh, let's get a deal done. Trill Living obviously has the experience that was laid out as the number one criteria for the successor of Kyle Dubas. But like his his experience is very specific in that, yeah, he's kind of run a team that's in, been in a similar position as the Maple Leafs recently. I mean, their goal has been uh, to win a Stanley Cup over there in Calgary. But he also has a lot of experience making pretty high profile trades. I mean, he traded Dougie Hamilton. He acquired Dougie Hamilton. Uh, he traded Matthew Kachuk this past summer. How much should we read into his like trading history, his trade history and how he's had to be one of the more active GMs in the trade market as it pertains to this Maple Leafs team that may be looking at a big trade. Well, for sure. We're going to do that because that's what we do in the media, right? We <laughs> dissect everything and he's not afraid to, to make the big deal. And I don't think that'll be any different. Uh, you got to come in and just, uh, you know, do your homework, do your due diligence, find out uh, uh, what the value is of all your assets, uh, whether you plan on moving them or not. That's just doing your homework. Uh, and there's so many scenarios, as I said, uh, that that lead into a trade, whether it was Dougie Hamilton or, or Matthew Kachuk on, on where they stand or where their heart is and how committed they are to the organization and their willingness to maybe leave less on the table. 
to to build a hockey club and and that's all real that's all things that have to go into the equation and you know with all due respect to Austin Matthews and 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 what we've seen in the past out of him he just cannot come in and say I'd like 14 or 15 million dollars a year and Brad Treliving's got to turn around and say that's great and perhaps you can stay but I don't like your chances of winning if you do that. So that's where you know, a guy like Brad, his voice, his demeanor, his calmness, his ability to maybe paint a, a picture for everybody can, can really be key here moving forward to, to continue to try to build a championship hockey club. We're talking to Nick Kiprios, host of Real Kipper and Born, who's confirming that uh, Brad Trey Living will be the Toronto Maple Leafs' new GM. Uh, so where does this leave Sheldon Keefe? We've seen the coaching carousel spinning. Where is it spinning for Sheldon Keefe? I would think that uh, that would be a top priority as well. Uh, obviously, I, I mentioned Austin Matthews has to be at the top of the list. Uh, unfortunately, uh, for a guy like Sheldon, when you have a year remaining, you know, they have you, you don't have them. Uh, but the good news is, Hey, you know, you're getting paid next year one way or the other. So, uh, that's the benefit, uh, for Sheldon, but it, it's, it's hard. It's hard for guys like that, not knowing for sure if they're part of the plans, you're watching other jobs get filled in, 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 in Nashville. And, you know, there's a, there's a few more, uh, out there, you know, Washington just hired, of course, uh, 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 Carberry as well. So, uh, you're just going to have to kind of sit there and, and wait, unfortunately. And, uh, depending uh, on Brad and how he feels, uh, on the urgency to, to address it, uh, I don't believe it's going to go much past, uh, uh, perhaps even, uh, the draft, but I don't think that there are any rush, uh, to make a, a decision on, on Kyle, or I'm sorry, on Sheldon Keefe. And and the other thing is you you still don't know exactly where, where that coaching carousel ends up on, on a few more occasions. So uh, once the dust settles, I, th- I think they will get to it, but I, I think it's going to be hard. I think it's going to be hard to bring Sheldon back, to be quite honest with you, um, you know, for a variety of reasons, including uh, um, just feeling like if you're going to make a, a, a clean break from Kyle Dubas is there kind of like that residual uh, effect of Sheldon's best buddy still being a part of the hockey club mm. I, I think it's 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 out there and you know I, I I don't suspect that you know Sheldon's you know ready to call Kyle every other day um you know throughout the regular season but it it has to be a little bit of concern um moving forward that they were such great friends that, uh, you know, if you want to make a, a break off of Kyle, maybe, you know, you make one off Sheldon as well. Yeah, can you really change things? Not that they really wanted to change anything as we learn, but can you change things? Or will it be much materially different under True Living if the same coach is in place? So a lot of things to iron out, obviously. But, you know, where do you think in terms of potential pitfalls, inheriting Dubas's team fits for true living. Like uh, it, it might be, you know, it might be the perfect hockey guy. It might also be, might be the perfect person because all 
all intents and purposes, which suggests that, you know, this is a really good person and a person who's going to be able to work with the people that he has to work with. But we know this is so pro Dubis within MLSC or inside the hockey operations staff. Do you think that's going to be an issue? Uh, I, I, I just think that Brad will be able to come in and, you know, when it comes to inheriting some issues, we mentioned Austin off the top and, and then it's Nylander, but you know, he's going to kind of have to come in and, and, and fix a goalie situation too. And I, is it, uh, is it just a foregone conclusion that Samsonov's going to sign a new contract? And if that's the case, then, uh, Hey Brad, what are you going to pay him? Uh, right now it looks like he's got the numbers to support uh, four and a half, five million dollars a year, which again uh, puts a tremendous strain on a salary cap that we're not even sure is going to go up one penny. So there's also the fact that, uh, you know, there's a few unrestricted free agents that Kyle was able to uh, put together over the last few years at, at bargain basement prices. And uh, they're all looking for raises. And, you know, can, can now Brad, Brad tree living come in and, 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 and find those pieces that Kyle was able to, uh, to undervalued, uh, Labushkin, uh, Bunting. Labushkin. You know, Camp, wow. Camp, Camp couldn't have scored a goal in a soccer net, uh, <laughs> uh in Chicago. And now, you know, Pretty valuable third liner, uh, but does that mean that Brad's got to double his pay to do it, or does somebody else do it in the National Hockey League? So uh, there's there's a lot of work for Brad mm-hmm. Tree Living, uh, you know, starting as uh, early as uh, the end of this week. What do you think this means for Brandon Pridham, and then you know maybe restructuring some of the Leafs front office? And then I don't know if you would have the answer to this, but I was just thinking like, how long of a contract do you give? a new GM, like Brad Trey living coming in, you give him five years, you give him two years. Like how long do you want to give this guy an opportunity to do what he needs to do? Yeah. Um, he, yeah. I would think that we're Ailish. We're looking at a, a minimum four year deal. I think mm-hmm. he, he's in a position now, if he was the top of the list and uh, someone that Brendan had targeted early, then he should get a four year deal. I mean, you're yeah. going into a hornet's nest right now. <laughs> Good luck. Pay pay me if I'm gonna take uh, a few hits here and there. But uh I think it's I think it's really important that uh he comes in and doesn't feel uh that uh you know if things turn a little bit next season, uh if if the if if Brendan would feel the heat next, like let's face it, mm-hmm. this is always about uh, where the buck stops sometimes, and we can look at coaching, we can look at uh, uh, the general manager spot. But if th- things don't go uh, as well as they hope as early as next year, you know people are going to start pointing uh, at the direction of the president, Brendan Shanahan. So I would think that that Brad Tree Living would have thought about that uh, throughout the process and he'd have to cover himself that if there was any changes to the guy that just hired me, you know, I'd like to know that I, I may not be leaving out the door um, with him. So how do you do that? Uh, you know, you ask for a fourth or fifth year. That's how you, you protect yourself if you're Brad Tree Living.
Yeah, it'll be the third GM hire uh, for Brendan Shanahan. And you wonder what, how that'll affect Shanahan, how that'll affect what Trill Living's reality is compared to Kyle Dubas's. Uh, lots of things to consider, and I'm sure Trill Living has considered those things. Uh, another consideration belonged to Spencer Carberry, who made the move to Washington uh, to coach the Capitals, the team that he, uh, or the organization he left in order to join the Maple Leafs. What do you make of that move? Well, it's he's he's a fresh face. He's a new face. He's one of those uh, younger generation guys that can come in and and maybe just uh, get a fresh perspective. Uh, good reputation uh, came up through the ranks. Uh, got a reputation for the power play. Lots of talk uh, about uh, the Leafs having a great power play behind Edmonton. Unfortunately, uh, it wasn't quite that way in the playoffs, <laughs> but. Uh, I think if you're Ovechkin and and this guy does have a reputation for for a power play, then uh, there shouldn't be anyone more excited than than this guy as he tries to close off uh, you know Wayne Gretzky's record. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know you don't have to spend a ton of money on the, on a guy like that. He can work himself up through the ranks. Uh, you know, it's uh, do you regurgitate a lot of old names or or do you try to take a chance on on someone new and fresh and and that's the direction that uh, the capitals went with okay let's quickly shift to the nhl uh stanley cup final because we have that set finally <laughs> it will start saturday night um a long time waiting for florida uh, a little bit of a, a wait for vegas but not clearly as much uh, who do you give the edge to in a situation like that well first of all i i look at uh both hockey clubs and I'm excited for no other reason that they're so deservingly uh, where they are. And both of them look like they're destined uh, to win. And one of them's going to be extremely disappointed. Uh, they're both hard, hard forechecking clubs. And I'm just watching Vegas, and they just look to me a little bigger and a little heavier. Uh, and I would think that that would give them the edge. But if Bobrovsky can just hold his own here and, you know, even if he drops a little bit, he just can't drop a lot. And I think the, the, the edge that Florida has on Vegas is, is not much, but it's Bobrovsky right now in net over Hill. And if he can keep his magic and close this thing out, then, then Florida does have a chance against a, a bigger, heavier Vegas team. Uh, last one for you, Kipper. Uh, Kipper and Bourne had a golf outing. I think it was last week. Uh, Fan Morning Show has a golf outing today. Any tips <laughs> to uh, make sure there's no like hard feelings bad tomorrow? Blood. Can we bad still work blood, together? Make after, sure things what? are you know on the up and up. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I, I can't golf with Sammy McKee. He's like uh, he's like this speed guy. I, I don't know if you, you ever see on YouTube that the fastest golfer to it's go through Sammy. eighteen holes. Really? Sammy's yeah. right behind him. He needs right to relax. Like, but by the time. Like I'm pulling out of my cart to go up to the tee box. <laughs> Sammy's like in it and driving to the fairway because he already hit. <laughs> so, uh, you know, maybe I'm just getting old, guys. You maybe just want to just... enjoy the moment, Kipper, and I'm I'm all for it. Like you're out there; it's gonna be 30 degrees today. I'm uh, I'm not like Patrick Cantlay speed, but I'm not. Need Sam time for McKee. the UV to set in. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you have any yeah. uh, competition, like any any wager that Justin and I should do? I know, like we don't make Kipper and Bourne money, but like maybe there's like a little, uh, you know, a little bet we can do as as coworkers here. Oh gosh, in um, in round game, or in, you just worried? A, you just worried about your score? Uh, host host each other's show. I don't know. Wolf. I mean, uh, 
that, that's a that's a losing bet for you guys because uh, you got uh, a great stage in the morning. That's for sure. Well, uh, we'll have to get a Kipper and Bourne versus Fan Morning Show oh, golf I'm so outing. Scared of that? What do you think? These guys are almost scratch. We're He's like, I'm, I'm in. in. Yeah, because yeah. you know you're going to win, so. No, no, no. All right. Well, the mix we're teams. hackers. Yeah, we're we'll, just... we'll, we'll do like, yeah, we'll mix teams up here. Like, we put sticks uh, in. Justin Bourne has got an amazing swing, though. I will I will say that, that sometimes you, you like, I'm like, that, that uh, you know, that, uh, that, that his drive, it, it sounds like a pro hit every once in a while. And mm. I'm like, God, I hate you. I can't I believe you, you wouldn't have that power, Kipper. Yeah, <laughs> take a look at my birth certificate. Those, <laughs> those days are over. Uh, all right, all right. Well, thanks for the for the big news dump this morning. Uh, great to get it from the source. Nick Kiprios confirming right. Brad Trey living. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on this morning, Kipper. We'll let you know how the golf game goes. You guys have a great day. You as well. Uh, Nick Kiprios, former NHL Ford Stanley Cup champ and co-host of Real Kipper and Born and Our Insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DawnValleyNorthLexus.com. What a time for Don Valley North to get the insider that gives the, the breaking news. Brad Trey Living, new GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, good to have Kipper come on and confirm it for us. Hell yeah. It's our guy. Does it change the conversation at all? And not like we were speaking in hypotheticals, but uh, it feels more real now that Kipper said it. It Anything that Kipper says... A hole close to my heart. That's it. <laughs> the facts are facts. Yeah. Um, but no, it is. It's great to have that confirmed, for, at least for the rest of the day, for our station and for everyone uh, that can start planning out the info they need. He said maybe he'll talk. Uh, maybe an announcement today or tomorrow. It seems like he's flying in, um, sit in the big chair. So yeah, we might have to live stream a press conference today during. Our we round. just might have to. Um, all right. Well, we'll have more to come on this. Um, obviously, big news here in Toronto, Toronto landscape sports. Brad Trey Living. Going to be joining the Toronto Maple Leafs as the newest general manager. Um, let's wrap up the previous general manager information, possibly, uh, with something to chew on, brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. So we have been pretty much in the camp that Kyle Dubas uh, seemed to be circled as the Penguins, next general manager. Um, but we're hearing some conflicted reports. So Mark Madden, a legendary radio broadcaster on 105.9, the X in Pittsburgh, mm. reported on Tuesday afternoon that Kyle Dubas was in the process of finalizing a deal to become the Penguins' new GM. However, our pal Frank Saravelli joined Fan Drive Time yesterday and put some cold water on that report, suggesting that Dubas maybe turned down the Penguins' offer. Here's Frank Saravelli on Fan Drive Time. I did see a report in the last half hour from Mark Madden from 105.9... I think the ex in Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. a pretty well-connected guy in the Pittsburgh scene who was reporting that Kyle Dubas is closing in on a, a contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins. That kind of goes against just about every single thing that I've heard. Mm. Um, I seem to have some indication and not obviously to a point where I feel comfortable in reporting it, but there's been lots of smoke in the last 24 hours that Kyle Dubas has, in fact, turned down the Pittsburgh Penguins. It just seems like there's an indication that the Penguins and Fenway Sports Group have re-engaged with some other people that they were previously interviewing, which would lend to speculation that Kyle Dubas has turned them down. But again, nothing that I'm comfortable sharing in a, an official way. That's just sort of the 
you know, vibes that I've been getting, calls that I've been chasing uh, in the last 24 hours. All right. Well, he, I mean, Frank obviously did a good job at, at not fully confirming this thing, but, you know, hearing some rumblings and mumblings as, as the insiders do. But to me, that sounds like the Ottawa Senators are calling. Yeah, I mean, and this is what we need, right? This is an <laughs> entertainment product. This isn't nothing. This isn't anything more than that. And if it's going to be most entertaining, Ottawa, Toronto, Dubas, Treliving, Shanahan, maybe Dubas, because Dubas is going to do both jobs over there. Who knows? But this is the best outcome, I think, after, in terms of entertainment, and after the Leafs made the decision they did. Kind of sucks for Sidney Crosby. Have a sit down with Dubas, and Dubas is like, nah, I don't think so, Sid. A little surprising, but maybe that tie to the childhood team and the mm-hmm. dream of running your childhood team, just like Tavares a couple years ago, is the lure for Dubas. I wonder if he has any pajamas. <laughs> I doubt that. Um, <laughs> you don't think he's a pajamas guy? <laughs> just like in general? I, I think he probably wears I haven't thought about what Kyle Dubas wears to bed. Um, probably pajamas. Um I think that the Ottawa Senators is the correct move. I we were all over last week. I feel like it's it's the more exciting opportunity, less less structure in a sense. Like you get a young, talented team with less expectation currently than the Pittsburgh Penguins, where you have to go in and make some real tough decisions right away. You can kind of do whatever you want in Ottawa right now, and they're going to have or, a new ownership group, maybe a new rank. Like this f- vibes are high. I think the difference, honestly, is that you can't make decisions in Pittsburgh. You can't trade Malkin. You can't trade Latang. You're not trading Sidney Crosby. You can't do anything. You're like, it's going from one similar situation to the next yeah. where maybe your hands are tied a little bit. I think it's free reign in Ottawa. I think you're right. And I think that's why it's the best job. It's party time in the nation's capital. Maybe Kyle Dubas. We don't know for sure, but we saw- we're not confirming that. Yet. No, 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 no. We don't know anything, but we do know some things like Brad Trey Living to be the next Toronto Maple Leafs general manager. Okay, let's take a break. We'll get into some Blue Jays talk with Shai Davidi joining us, sports and MLB columnist and insider. Blue Jays got a big win against Milwaukee Brewers. Don't know if it's fully the turnaround game yet, but nonetheless, uh, they scored seven runs in the first three innings. That's a positive. Blue Jays getting the offense going, maybe. Uh, Shai Davidi is going to join us on the other side of the break of the Fan Morning Show. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Regardless of opponent, we went through a really tough part of the schedule in terms of games being played in a number of days. And, you know, great to get a series win in Minnesota and kind of have an off day at home, which seems like they're few and far between, and kind of get your feet back underneath you. And today was a perfect example of doing things that, you know, we're good at. It was it was good starting pitching, it was clean defense, and really good at bats. So, yeah, it's nice. I think that you kind of have to take a step back and realize where where you are in the season. And in the season, there's a lot of games left to be played. But it is nice to kind of catch your breath after what we went through and, you know, playing some tough games and having some tough uh, performances. But I think today was a step in the right direction to kind of get back to winning series. Big victory for the Toronto Blue Jays yesterday, but the big story in Blue Jays land is the social media posts, the apology, and the next steps for Anthony Bass, uh, Blue Jays reliever, who... uh, you know, offended many, rightfully so, uh, with his uh, his social media and his reaction to uh, 
the comments he made and the pressure on him um, after the fact. Uh, to discuss that and more, bringing out our one of our insiders here at Sportsnet, Shai Davidi, MLB columnist. Good morning, Shai. Good morning. Uh, so you wrote a very, very good article yesterday on the Anthony Bass situation. You called his apology, uh, quote, somewhat pointless. Uh, why did you think it was somewhat pointless? Well, it wasn't just the apology. It was sort of the whole scene, right? It's a place to this script that is well-known. It's like you, everybody makes sort of these appropriate comments, but I don't know what we really learned from all that. We We don't know beyond him wanting to apologize to his teammates and, uh, you know, this very scripted apology. I mean, what did he really feel? What does he hope to learn? What, uh, what did all this accomplish? And, and really for anything positive or useful to come out of this, it's, it's really about the next step. You know, yesterday was just uh, performative to, to some degree and you just want to see some substance and, uh, you know, this is not, to be fully critical of of Anthony Bass, he's in a situation where he's said that he's trying to learn, and as long as he follows through on that, then you, you know, then that's genuine, and, and you just hope that there's some authenticity to this. Uh, but you know, again, these things kind of typically play out to the script, and then it's sort of on to the next outrage. And you, you just hope that something substantive or, or something real and genuine comes out of this. Uh, was John Schneider's press conference also somewhat pointless? Um, uh, you know, he says, you know, Anthony Bass comes in, he apologizes and apologizes to his teammates. The first thing he did is come and talk to me. Like for me, again, and, and you don't want to you know, make too many judgments here or rush to conclusions, but I find it a little bit hard to believe that Bass had an epiphany last night and he was immediately into apology mode with his general manager or his manager and his, his teammates. What did you make of John Schneider's role in yesterday's events? Well, I thought, look, there's there's two things here, right? There's all there's first off, there's the baseball team that needs to be run because this is this is a business. It's in the middle of the season. It's a competitive environment, and then there's sort of the bigger pictures of you know how does this fit in within the the values of the organization, and you know John Schneider is. Uh, he, he was worried about the baseball team uh, in one in one aspect, and I think that's where the apology to the teammates comes in, and the the rec- excuse me, the, the recognition on Anthony Bass's part that uh, he had made a mistake and he needed to address that. But then there's also the recognition of why of what exactly that mistake was, and that's where. You know, I think from a team perspective, you know, John Schneider made clear where the team stands, uh, which is, you know, what you would expect. Uh, but how does how does Anthony Bass fit in within that? And, and look, this isn't just a question about the Blue Jays and Anthony Bass. This is a societal question. And how are we going to accept people who are different or out of the mainstream and can we uh, can we reduce intolerances and and just create more space for for people who who don't fit a certain definition and and just let them be and uh, at minimum and and that's that's where sort of the bigger challenges and so uh, you know John Schneider spoke eloquently represented the organization well uh, as the primary spokesman on this matter uh, but 
you know, again, there, there's some bigger questions and like, how does, how does, how do you, as an organization, and that's, this applies to all businesses handle situations where, you know, you have a set of values that you talk about and, you know, make diversity and equity and inclusion a priority and, and culture a, a priority, but then you have someone who goes uh, outside those norms you know, what, what is, what's the appropriate path forward? And that's where, you know, really where the next steps come in. If, if Anthony Bass is going to be genuine about what he said about learning and, and being a part of things and, you know, maybe shows some real initiative during the upcoming pride events that the Jays are going to have, uh, you know, then I think we're looking at this a, a little bit different and, and maybe it doesn't, Maybe it's not pointless at the end of it. We're speaking with Shai Davidi, Sportsnet MLB columnist and insider. So Anthony Bass makes his um, statement and and won't take questions from the reporters. I wonder in your time of covering uh, sports in general, when a player doesn't take questions, um, how how does that you know, control their own narrative, how that feels for reporters and maybe with some questions that you have unanswered that you would have liked to field to Anthony Bass? Well, I mean, I don't want to make this about sort of me as a reporter because I don't think that's the issue. I think what happens is when you don't take questions, like it allows an organization or a person to control a message uh, and to not, to only divulge what they want divulged, right? And so when we get try to get to the hearts, it's like, you know, why did you post that? What do you be, what did you believe in that? Why did you think that was important? Um, how do you feel? Why, why did you, why did you apologize? You know, that part of it, we don't know. So that I think if you kind of want to try to make a judgment, then that's a part of it. And I think back to, you know, the incidents with, you know, Escobar and the eye black, uh, when he wrote a homophobic slur across his eye black back in 2013 or in 2017, when Kevin Pillar, uh, made uh, used uh, uh, an anti-gay slur at uh, Jason Mott during the game. You know, both times those players took questions. They explained their actions a little bit more than Anthony Bass did. And you know, Anthony was clearly uh, somewhat shell shocked. I, I, I thought I thought as he was speaking, uh, you know, he's normally uh, a really confident dude and you could hear that he was a little bit nervous as he was making those comments. Uh, I think he clearly understands that he's put himself in a bad situation, but you know, again, does he understand the why does he understand the hurt, the, the issues around acceptance, which uh, you know, that, that, that people in the LGBTQ plus community face you know, those are, that's what's really important here. And that's what we don't have an answer to. So when someone doesn't take questions, you know, they're, they're trying to essentially say what they want, what they think people want to hear. And then you don't really get at the, at the heart of the matter. Uh, not that performance should have really any bearing on this situation. Uh, Anthony Bass, however, is has been struggling this season and maybe would be someone that's a little bit in danger of losing a spot on this team regardless, given that there are some pitchers working their way back. Um, but does that present some issue in that, you know, 
There's the possibility of grievance if you actually do look to maybe DFA this guy just because uh, there would be maybe that extra layer of reasoning or debate over the actual movement. Uh, where does this leave the Blue Jays in terms of like their flexibility with that player if they so choose to consider this, hey, maybe the, the straw that breaks the camel's back? I mean, you can uh, you can designate anyone for assignment, right? Like the there's no stipulation that says you have to keep somebody on the roster. You you have to abide by the provisions within the player's contract. But you want to if you want to release somebody, you can release anyone you want, right? So if that's if that's yeah. a route that the Blue Jays feel that they want to take, then they can at some point, but. You know, I'd like, I think that it's actually better if Anthony Bass follows through on what he says. Right. And, and actually is, goes into whatever uh, education that he goes through with the Blue Jays. And, you know, that part wasn't immediate clear. I'm hoping that there'll be some more clarity on that maybe today uh, in terms of what resources are available and, what he could end up doing. Uh, but, you know, I think that's actually a better outcome than just sort of cutting ties with someone. And then, you know, maybe that deepens uh, feelings of negativity towards uh, a community as opposed to maybe engaging in some education, having some outreach and coming to a better understanding and maybe a place of more tolerance, right? I, I think back to, to Kevin Pillar and some of the training that he did and some of the uh, engagement with uh, LG, LGBT members that he did at the time and how he found that impactful and moving and hearing stories directly from, from kids and from parents. And that really underscored kind of why he shouldn't have used that slur and he, he understood he, that he had made a mistake, but then he really understood the gravity of it afterwards. And, you know, that to me is, is a better outcome than just sort of being punitive and moving on uh, because then you maybe create a, a more lasting tolerance or potential for tolerance. You know, maybe Kevin Pillar is engaging with others differently and that message spreads and maybe there's a little bit more collective understanding. So, you know, I, I understand sort of, the mentality of the to, to be punitive and all those things, but there is a route to a different outcome and maybe a better outcome. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to hope that we can all sort of grow or have the potential to grow and, 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 and be better. And, and to me, that's, that's preferable than just sort of being punitive and moving on. You could check out Shai's uh, article at sportsnet.ca. I thought it was really great, Shai, and I appreciate all your insight on this. Um, but let's move to the baseball game um, where the Blue Jays did win 7-2 last night to kick off their three-game series against the Milwaukee Brewers. Kikuchi, 500th career strikeout. That was a really nice moment in the Rogers Center as everybody gave him a standing ovation. Um, but five walks as a season high. Uh, what do you make of the lefties' um, series opener um they were able to bounce back after a, a start where he got two runs in the first inning uh, kind of what you're expecting from a, a fifth starter in the blue jays rotation a little bit although again it's it's tough with kikuchi because you know there's more in there mm -hmm. right and he's you know maybe against a better lineup kikuchi isn't getting away with what he got away with last night but there was some progress the slider which has been a work in progress and is really a key weapon for him. Lose better, not quite where it needs to be. 
and uh, at least both uh, he and, and John Schneider were happy with the shape of the pitch uh, as uh, as opposed to after that, that game in Tampa, Kikuchi said that the slider was really more of a cutter and that's not what he needed. And so, so maybe there's some steps there, but he wasn't able to locate it well, took some damage on it. So there, at least there's some progress there, but it's not, uh, it's not sort of uh, everything's okay, we move on. Uh, but, you know, he did what he needed to do to get the Blue Jays a win. He got his five innings. He turned the game over under control to the bullpen. And, and all those are positives. And for someone who didn't do that very often in May, uh, that that in itself was important. So uh, some progress for sure. Obviously, some more things for him to keep working at. And uh, we'll see if there's continued progress in this next time out. Uh, an abundance of hits last night for the Blue Jays, 14 in total, many of which came with runners in scoring position, which has been something that's uh, eluded this Blue Jays team recently. But can it be a get-right game without this team hitting a home run? Yeah, for sure. You know, it's. Uh, I think we're, we're all expecting a barrage of homers for, for this team at some point and for a lot of players to start catching up. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. obviously comes to mind. You know, George Springer still's got some catch up to do. Uh, you figure there's more for Dalton Varsho, Brandon Belt, uh, and others. Uh, but one of the things you want to be able to do is win in a number of different ways and adapt to different circumstances games present to you. And I remember talking to uh, a rival manager at one point this season. And what he said about the Blue Jays is that this year there are just more ways in which they can smother and beat you. And last year it was home runs and damage and big swings. And this year it can be speed on the base path. It can be base hits. It can be creating offense when there isn't a ton there. It can be timely hitting. Uh, and it certainly was a gap, and the lack of power showed during the, that recent slide. But when you're playing a, a complete game, uh, then the lack of power isn't quite as glaring. And so, uh, you know, there to me, the right game was was Friday in Minnesota, and you know, they made some progress there, and then that was created some relief. They, they won a series and now they've won three or four and have a little bit of momentum. Uh, it, it's up to them to keep it going at this point. Um, last night, you mentioned uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Last night on the broadcast, they mentioned that uh, he had flown his uncle Wilton up, um, obviously former MLB. Um, I'm wondering if it's just uh, maybe time for just a, a different voice, maybe go back to his roots. Obviously he had been a, a batting coach when he was younger and uh, there's the family connection there. What did you make of the, the family ties yesterday before the game? And obviously Vladdy got three hits. So maybe it was the, the solution after all. Well, there's a lot of stuff that's been going on with, in terms of people coming in and trying to help Vladdy. Uh, you know, I wrote about uh, this uh, conversation that he and Bo Bichette had at the end of the the Blue Jays dugout during the seventh inning Sunday in Minnesota, where you know we had a great shot on the broadcast of uh, of the two of Bo just kind of going up to him and and the two sitting down and and, and having a pretty intense conversation uh, and Vladdy doing a lot of uh, you know listening and nodding and, and Bo Bichette doing a lot of talking and gesturing and so 
this was part of reinforcing it you know, during that early batting practice uh, session uh, under uh, Wilton Guerrero's watchful eye. Bo Bichette was there too, and they were hitting together with Vlad. Uh, a lot of people are kind of pouring into him, and, and you know, Bo said that you know, he, he's he's known Vlad for a while. He, he and he feels that uh, he knows what what to say sometimes when when Guerrero isn't going great and he felt the time was right for him to say something and, and, and and Vlad appreciated that. And he said, he takes something from everybody who pours into him. And he, he took something from the conversation with Bo about uh, his preparation and how to transfer that into the games. Uh, He's taken a lot of stuff from hitting coach Guillermo Martinez, who helped coordinate with Wilton Guerrero. Uh, Obviously the messaging from Wilton Guerrero is very similar to what, Guillermo Martinez was saying, but sometimes it's a bit more effective when it comes from a different voice, when you've been hearing the same things over and over. Uh, you know, I think all of this is, it, it demonstrates a little bit about sort of the, how, you know, it takes a community to, to, to be successful sometimes uh, and how that community right now is engaging around Vladimir Guerrero-Jainer. Uh, on the scale of mild excitement to pure delirium, where should Blue Jays fans be at when it comes to Nate Pearson in that <laughs> outing yesterday? Uh, you know, I would say that it's it's sort of building towards delirium, right? You're like, okay, this is what we're expecting. And it's been trending like that. It's a progressive buildup each time out. But... You know, before I don't, I don't want to curb enthusiasm too much. But you know, when when Pearson is doing that against, say, you know, the Yankees and you know the the, the really elite teams uh, in the American League, uh, at that point you're like, okay, that's it. Right now it's you know running rough shot over the the Milwaukee Brewers. It's like, all right, this is this is great, but it's a building block. But look, the the stuff is playing the way that you think it's playing. You're starting to see him be more assertive on the mound. And this is what you've always expected all along. Said, okay, this is, you look at him, you look at the repertoire, you're like, this is what it should be. And now it's starting to match up. So uh, really good for him. He's been through so much in terms of overcoming injuries and stops and starts in his career. Uh, it's really nice to see him having success for someone who's worked really hard at it. And, and obviously uh, an incredibly important development for the Blue Jays because if he's this multi-inning weapon in the bullpen the way that it, it looks like he could be, then that really changed the face of this team. Well, hopefully uh, Alec Manoa can continue the almost delirium in a positive way around Blue Jays pitching tonight on the mound. Uh, Shai, I appreciate you jumping on with us this morning. Great to chat, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Yeah, stay well, guys. Thanks so much. That's Shai Davidi, Sportsnet MLB columnist and insider. Alec Mendo on the mound tonight as the Blue Jays look to, to get two in a row against the Milwaukee Brewers. If you missed it earlier, um, in our 7 o'clock hour, we talked to Nick Kiprios, who confirmed that Brad Trey Living will be the next Toronto Maple Leafs general manager. Um, that was rumored overnight, and Kipper just said straight up it's happening, folks, so we can move on with that and get excited to talk about what's next for the Toronto Maple Leafs with some confirmation that it will be Brad Trey Living in the GM chair. So to continue that conversation and more, our buddy Brent Gunning is going to join us on the other side of the break, work through the news of the day, Brad Trey Living 
joining the Toronto Maple Leafs and, you know, the laundry list of things he's got to get going maybe as of today if the Maple Leafs announce it formally. So we'll have Brent Gunning on the other side of the break and then we'll be joined by Adam Fantilli, who is the Hobie Baker Award winner, World Championship gold medalist, uh, World Junior Champion gold medalist. Um, anything you could have won this year, he won it all. So we'll have him at the end of the show and we'll do a baby wake and rake so you can send those picks in at 590-590. Gunner's next.